Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Rumble, The Indians Who Rock the World, is a revelatory documentary that brings to light the profound and overlooked influence of the indigenous people on popular music in North America, focusing on music icons like Link Ray, Jimi Hendrix, Buffy St. Marie, Charlie Patton, Mildred Bailey, Jesse Ed Davis, Robbie Robertson, and so many more. Uh, the uh, Rumble, the Indians Who Rock the World, shows how these pioneering Native American musicians helped shape the soundtrack of our lives. And we are joined today by the executive producer and creator and driving force behind this wonderful documentary, uh, Rumble, the Indians Who Rock the World, and that would be Stevie Salas. Yeah. Uh, okay, Salas. No. Yeah, Salas, I think Salas, if I was like Slavic or from Greece. Or, or Indian, accent, yeah, or Italian. I'm an Apache. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Native American. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stevie. So, <laughs> so <it was> Salas. <laughs> Although, you know, the name Salas, i got to tell you, it's my grandfather, my father's father, uh, actually, was from Spain and met my mother, my grandmother, who is Apache, and uh, when he worked on the railroad um, in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So oh, there you go. Okay. All right. Well, well, welcome to Stevie. Welcome to film school. Awesome. Uh, now, I have to tell you, uh, being a big music fan, um, I uh, was familiar in some respect with with what we would call Native American music but it tended to be what you would think it would be, more or less kind of the tribal sound that we've heard in, in whatever it what might be. But I knew of so many of the musicians that are featured in Rumble. So it was when I saw the list, I thought, uh, this is going to be great, because I love finding out about things that I didn't know about. And, and boy, what a, a, a it says, I said earlier, revelatory documentary this is. It's such a great, journey that you take us on tell me what inspired you to begin this process and see this through to a completion to make this uh, particular documentary well you, you know the film came out and 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 before that we had done an exhibit i'd co-created an exhibit at the smithsonian with uh, tim johnson at the smithsonian national museum of the american indian on this subject um but and we didn't know at the time until we sort of discovered this at the smithsonian that we were we were undercover, you know, we were unearthing unwritten history mm-hmm. and things that people didn't know. It was like something that hadn't been documented. We really get stumbled onto it when originally it started as me when I was a kid. I left San Diego, California and moved to LA to try to make it rock. And, and I started playing with George Clinton and Bootsy Collins and all these really cool guys. Yeah. And uh, within a couple of years, I was playing, you know, the LA Forum and Madison Square Gardens playing lead guitar for Rod Stewart. And when I would play with Rod, um, while I was on that tour, you know, mm-hmm. I started to just look around. And I I grew up in San Diego on the beach, you know, and where, you know, I had black friends and white friends and purple friends and green friends. And, you know, it, I, you know it, there was no real color issue going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I was on stage with Rod, and I was in a multicultural band with the Carmine Rojas from David Bowie, who was Puerto Rican on bass, and, you know, guys like that. It was just a whole bunch of different guys. I started just to look around to see if there's anybody else like me. Mm-hmm you know, that had my same heritage background. And I, I, I didn't see any, but as I started to dig, I started to realize that there were a bunch of them. 
you know, and just a lot of times we didn't know who they were or we didn't know that they were Native American, like Robbie Robertson. I had no idea from the band. He was a mm-hmm. Mohawk Indian. You know, Jesse Ed Davis, I used to see his names in the liner notes on a million records as a yeah. kid growing up. And I was even playing some of his guitar parts because he played a lot of guitar with Rod Stewart. And I didn't know he was a Kiowa Indian. You know, so it just started becoming this fascinating sort of, you know, trip of discovery for me, purely for selfish reasons. Uh, and then I met a guy, I was going to Canada in about 2003 or 2004, I can't remember, and I was opening for the Rolling Stones. Oh. And I um, met a guy in Toronto named Brian Wright McLeod, who was writing the Encyclopedia of Native American Recorded Music History, and going all the way back to the early 1900s. And he wanted to interview me for his book, and he sat me down and really schooled me about Link Ray and schooled me about all these people. And really, that's when I really got my brain going. I started thinking, you know what, this is information. This is, you know, you know, Native American people don't have a lot of role models, really. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of people except for, you know, ancient people like Geronimo or, you know, Crazy Horse. or You know, but they, these guys were modern people who were inspiring all the heroes of the world. You know, a, a, a guy who taught Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page. And Jeff Beck, two of the considered the greatest rock and roll guitar players in the history of the world, mm-hmm. sat and studied a guy called Link Ray to learn how to play power chords. Pete Townsend. Yeah. And Pete Townsend would send me emails about it. Uh, Ringo Starr would send me emails about Jesse Ed Davis. Steven Tyler would call me to talk to me about Jesse Ed Davis. So I realized that to the, to the heroes of the world, the music heroes of the world, that these Native American musicians were heroes to those guys. And I just thought, this is, this information has to get out. This is just too amazing. Yeah, and and to that end, I just want to acknowledge the the, the directors as well, Catherine Bainbridge and Alfonso Malorano. Mayorella. Yeah. Mayorella. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, I put an L where it should not have been an L. I'm sorry. Mayorano and uh, Arana. And so... Just call him Fonz. I'm just I'm having so much having issues that he was with with my tongue. Um, yes, Fonz. Well, you and, know what's really crazy? What's you know it? what's really crazy? His name is Fonz, and his wife is my executive producer partner in the film. Her name's Christina Fonz. Oh yeah. So so he's Fonz and she's Christina Fonz. It's really crazy. Yeah, we have these issues. Well, and again, Link Ray, and in some ways, in sort of the mod, more more modern iteration of uh, Native American music. Link Ray is obviously a very important person. Tell tell our listeners who may just have, you know, they, they if you say uh, Pulp Fiction and Link Ray. I'd say that was the way you'd really, you know, yeah. most people are like, Link Ray, I never heard of him. Link Ray, I never heard of him. And then they go, you know, you heard that song of Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Bram, bram, bram. They go, oh, yeah, I know that song. That's yeah. Link Ray. You know, what people, what's mind-blowing about that song is that it was recorded in 1957. Yeah. I mean, who the hell was playing, like, acidy, freaked-out, distorted power chords in 1957? Yeah. And, you know, so all of a sudden, Dave, you know, Dave Davies of the Kinks, before he plays You Really Got Me and it's all distorted, you know, where do you think he got that stuff yeah. from? When Jimmy Page plays, you know is uh, rocking full distorted power chords and Pete Townsend's playing power chords. Who do you think they were listening to? You know, that was, there's so many great anecdotes in, in rumble and there's there's so the, the history and, and it's, I, again, and I like the structure of the, of the documentary. I mean, you kind of, you give us what we, you know, we would probably know. 
and then you start moving us back in history to what we couldn't have known. Uh, and, and we go way back and, and yeah. uh, to the history we're talking about slavery we're talking about uh, obviously the slaughter of indigenous people the the what what's the dance the the ghost um ghost dance the ghost dance oh my god you know what, what you're really getting at though and what we're really what we're really showing you if you really think about it is we're showing you the development of north america canada yeah. included yeah and 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 music was part of the byproduct of that development meaning when you go back to Charlie Patton in the early blues days, you know, a lot of people think about uh, Robert Johnson because, you know, he had you know, Ralph Macchio in the movie, you know, The Crossroads. He had, Charlie Sexton said it best. Charlie Sexton's my neighbor here in Austin, Texas, and he's also Bob Dylan's guitar player and an old friend of mine. And he said, Robert Johnson got all the credit because he had the sexy story with The Crossroads. But everybody who's anybody knows that, you know, long before Robert Johnson, it was a guy called Charlie Patton who was teaching Helen Wolf and teaching Pop Staples and teaching these guys how to play guitar out at Dockery Farms. And the funny thing is, is we always assumed that Charlie Patton was a black man. Yeah. I did. And then one day, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top says to me, Stevie, you ever take a look at this picture of Charlie Patton? <laughs> Looks to me like he's got some blonde, wavy, curly hair. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And because uh, the photos are really old, right, yeah. black and white. And you look at it and you start to realize, oh, my God, you know, he is a Native American man mixed with black, mixed with several cultures, yeah. which was the beginning of. So the beginning of the birth of the blues, which we always thought was a black art film, is actually a melting pot of a lot of repressed cultures, really. Yeah. You know, well, it was the that they shipped the the African men back to Africa and 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 so you had. Um, well, no, they shipped the Native American men off oh, to work in the Caribbean. Right. Slaves. I'm sorry. And then it, yes. and the African men would come over. Right. The slaves were in America, and yeah, who are they having babies with? Exactly. Yeah. That. Yeah. So there, there's just again, there's so many stories and uh, the Charlie Patton stuff and how he played guitar and then how that related to uh the, the you know it was a drum he was playing a guitar but he really used it as almost it was almost as a drum it's just so fascinating and then you hear the recording and wow what a voice what a what a presence in his the rawness of his, his of his art was yeah, really it, it, touching the drum the drum was outlawed for native american people then so the guitar became the new way to communicate right and they would after they didn't have rock bands right so you'd have to create those rhythms God. With his hand beating on that guitar while he was strumming them chords and singing, and that's sort of how that came. Lucille Neville from the Neville Brothers said it. He says, "You take that Native American four on the floor and you mix it up with some of them uh, African polyrhythms, yeah. and bam, there you go. There, there it is." Well, again, I mean, uh, we're we're speaking with Stevie Salas, and he is the director of, uh, executive producer, and creator of the new uh, documentary called Rumble: The Indians Who Rocked the World. And it is opening today, August 25th, here in Los Angeles. And it's been rolling out across the country. And please keep an, an eye out for it as it does. So uh, it is just... You know, I'm going to be... I'm going to fly in. Uh, you know, I'll be at the August 29th showing in Los Angeles, too, oh. if anyone wants to come say hello. I'll be speaking there, most likely. Oh, very good. Okay, well, we'll post that to the website. Um, and... Uh, and so, I mean, we're just scratching the surface. There is this thing is so rich with music history and performances as well. I mean, it is 
it is both uh, a backstory, but it's also hearing these songs and hearing the traditions from which these the, the music came from. And I remember Redbone, uh, you know, but it, for me, it was just a, a couple of hit songs from, you know, the, the late or late 60s, early 70s. Is that about Redbone? In the 70s, well in the mid-70s. Oh, mid-70s, well, that late, okay. And then I remember Wild Chapatulas, and I remember that was a big, uh, a big thing for a, a little bit. It had a, a run. I remember being exposed that I have that record and love that record, wow. but I didn't have any idea. I didn't know early Neville Brothers. Yeah, no, I didn't know enough. You know, and again, when you this is again some of the the the, the beauty of watching this film is, oh my god, <laughs> so there's a lot of oh my god moments in the film and. Uh, and just great stuff. Um, what's been, you know, you've got so many wonderful people. We haven't even mentioned Steve Van Zandt. You mentioned Robbie Robertson. Tony Bennett talking about Mildred Bailey. And my God, what a voice. And how Sinatra was influenced by her. And how Ella was. And and, and Billie Holiday. And just what, she had a magnificent voice. Wow. Again, another kind of discovery for me. Uh, she goes back to the 30s. Would that be her era, Mildred? Mm, yeah, early, early, yeah. Yeah, maybe a little before. Just you know, here's the thing that we were trying to show. The reason we have so many gigantic superstars and legends in the film was uh, was really, really specific. Um, when we did the exhibit at the Smithsonian originally, I wanted I didn't want to make a thing about race. I didn't want to have Native American people saying we did this and we did that and yeah. you didn't do that. Because that's not what we were trying to say. Right. We, we were saying that these Native American musicians influenced the sound of music as we know it in, in, on, on a complete massive level. And in order to do that, we had to let Steven Tyler tell you himself yeah. how he started Aerosmith and what he was listening to and what was inspiring him. We had to let you know, the, the Eric Clapton's tell you. We had to let... Um, slash tell you we had to let all these guys tell you themselves so therefore you take that information you go like hmm this isn't just a musicologist saying this this is the actual people that i know yeah. and trust and known my whole life so if eric clapton says uh jesse davis was a genius you, you're gonna you're gonna say <laughs> i maybe i should consider this since i do trust eric clapton knows what he's talking about well, I have to say, I remember growing up, uh, you know, the concert for Bangladesh, you know, this incredible all-star line of Clapton, Dylan, you know, all these different people, and Jesse F. Davis. Now, I knew right. his name, I knew of him, but it, yeah. I have to be honest, I thought, Jesse F. Davis, really? I, you know, I didn't, it, 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 but then you hear him, and, and you hear him in the film as well, just with such a clean sound, such a beautiful sound to his guitar and obviously the admiration of his peers and um and you, you took him about people who were influenced i mean you iggy pop you know wayne kramer all the the ramones all these people that that drew upon the 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 spirit and 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 the influence of certain players but the spirit of this the music that we're talking about as well it's uh in yeah. the, in let, let me let me tell you something real quick yeah so you talked about the concert for bangladesh yeah which, Anybody, you know, who's over 40 years old, probably seen it a million times. It was, you know, when we were little kids, it was the biggest record ever with My Sweet Lord and, yeah. you know, this concert and with Clapton and Klaus Vorman and Ringo Starr and it's, it's George Harrison's event. And, and I've seen that footage a million times, okay? Yeah. How I didn't notice, there's, there's George Harrison from the Beatles standing on one side, of, you know, right in the center. You got Eric Clapton 
standing on one side of him, and then you got this gigantic six foot Kiowa Indian <laughs> guitar player right next to him named Jesse Ed Davis. How did we all not know that he was not a Native American? Because when you look at him now, you're like, oh, of course he is. He looks like you know, he looks like a classic. I mean, he looks like the classic Native American that you'd see, you read about in the books. I mean, he there's yeah. no mistake in it. Yeah. And and uh, somehow it's funny because like Brad Whitford from Aerosmith said to me. You know, I always thought Jesse Ed Davis just looked cool and dressed cool. I didn't know he was an actual Indian, you know? It's so, all these people, somehow it just it never could get into your consciousness. But there they were. Now that you know the information, you look at it and you're like, how do they not know that, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah that, that was such a, a, an amazing concert. At, I, Leon Russell, one of my favorites as well. So I just want to kind of shout out to Leon, who, who just left us. This early great, yeah. What he so so many good people in that film, and but just but I did hear him later on, and he would pop up here and there on other other albums that and and I I was not familiar with the uh, the Trudeau um, Davis album, but uh, that sounds like I've got to pick that up too because that collaboration sounds. Oh, like the Trudell, yeah, John Trudell. I'm sorry, Trudell. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know that uh, Jesse Ed Davis played with all four Beatles. He played with the Stones. Yeah. He played with Rod Stewart, played with Jackson Brown. He played with Clapton. Clapton played with him. These are just a couple of things he did. All four Beatles. That's I mean, yeah. And if you know, name me a, a person in the world that had worked with all of the people I just named yeah. on a real significant level. And no one knows who the hell he is. Yeah. That's just the weirdest thing ever. Because the guy played with all four Beatles. <laughs> I mean, you can only say maybe, you know, maybe there's a... You know, Billy, maybe Billy uh, yeah, Preston. Was, yeah, I was thinking uh, Billy Preston you know, would be about the only one know, I would think I mean, of. Maybe, yeah. I don't think anyone else you can really think of. Right. When the Beatles, when the Beatles went solo, yeah. each one of them used Jesse Ed Davis. Well, well, didn't Jesse... He was John Lennon's favorite guitar player. Okay, and didn't Jesse tour with Ringo's All-Star Band? Did he go out with him? I don't think he did that. I don't okay. think. I think Ringo's All-Star Band came a lot, a lot later Okay. after Jesse was off into his uh his habit yeah. and his other things issues but uh no he did the early records you know he's on those early records phonograph you know, and all those kind of, yeah all the big hits yeah man. and i mean and you know when when uh jackson brown in the film talks about jesse ed davis coming in and playing guitar on doctor my eyes yeah i mean it's just fascinating yeah. you know that, because because jackson brown was like nervous to meet <laughs> jesse ed davis well, he, he says he, he he played something for me. He goes, oh, I don't think I can do that. No, I don't. So. And then he plays him Doctor. Nobody Mike. does that. So. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I've played on seventy or eighty major label albums, and yeah. uh, you know, in my career with Mick Jagger and yeah. Justin Timberlake and all these guys that I've played with. And I can never imagine walking into a studio having Justin Timberlake play me a song and me saying, "Nah, uh, I don't hear myself on that," and then packing up and wanting to leave. I mean, because Jackson said he said the song, he goes, man, I don't hear myself. And he grabbed his guitar and started walking out the door. And so then he goes, oh, well, let me play another one. Yeah. And then he goes, oh, I hear myself on that. He, and then the funny thing is that famous solo on Dr. Miyazaki, yeah. he played it, but didn't even, he never even heard the song all the way through. He just said, yeah, start me up there. And he just played it one time. <laughs> and Jackson said he started packing up the gear um, as soon as he played it before Jackson even said, hey, I love it. I mean, he was like, there it is. That's, that's, that's what you get. Yeah. And he, he did one take. That's awesome. Well, one of my one of uh, Stevie Salas, one of my all time favorite bands, and what w- it's it is uh, the band, and Robbie. Great to see Robbie Robertson. I haven't, I don't, we haven't seen enough of him of late, and it's it's great to see him, and the influence again where Native American music comes into the mix in that era when Dylan was went went electric, and the the band went up to Woodstock, and 
all of that stuff. Yeah. It's just uh, God. And there's there's so much. I'm so drawn to that sound. Not not just the band, but that that kind of. Nate, I guess it's Native American music. I guess, but well, I mean, not really. No, but I mean, it's, it's an part, influence. It's part but, of it. Yeah, part of it, of course. But it's, it's in there. It's that. It's but that's that's that stripped down, you know, music, uh, unadorned in 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 many ways, just straight ahead music. Now, I mean, there's variations in any kind of music. I'm I'm being pretty simplistic when I when I say it that way, but. I'm so drawn to that sound and it just, it's so, it's great. It's just such a fun documentary and it's won a ton of awards. It's won at Sundance. It's won at a Canadian. I think it won at Hot Dogs for, for a, we won a, at Hot Dogs. We won in Boulder. Yeah. We won in Sedona. We won in Albuquerque. We won, I mean, we went, we were in all over the world. Uh, I was in Australia a couple of days ago with the film. Um, our director, Catherine, was in Scotland last week with the yeah, film. Yeah. Our co-director, Fonz, was in Italy with the film. I was in France with the film. It's just all over the place. It's just exploding. And, we, you know, we, we couldn't be happier and we, and we couldn't be more surprised, actually. We're super surprised at the film. I mean, why would a theater in, in Sydney, Australia, be sold out two nights in a row for a film about Native Americans? But somehow they really care and they're really interested and and uh it's just amazing to me yeah but what has been the reaction now again i'm gonna be i'm gonna say this with some a a degree of caution when i say native americans but i mean because there's a a whole there's a rainbow in there so i uh, what's been the general reaction among people that uh who who whose traditions some of the must much of this music came out of uh, Everybody, and I'm not talking. I'm talking black, white, green, purple, Native right. American, African American. Everybody says the same thing. How did I not know this? This yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. And nobody says like, ah, sounds like some old uh, BS to me. No, they're like, it's so obvious. And how did we not know? Yeah. And I can tell you why we didn't know. Because my father and my mother, on my birth certificate said when I was born that I was white, that my parents were white, okay? Yeah. My parents are darker than me. And my father and his parents and my, grand- my mother and her parents and their parents, nobody wanted to be an Indian in the early 1900s. It was not a safe thing to be. It wasn't a good thing to be. Your family would be torn apart in the early, early days. You'd be sent away. Um, or you'd be killed. Um, or you were to be looked at like you were, ver- you know, just like some worse than an a-, a wild animal. Yeah. So nobody wanted to be an Indian. So this trauma lasted up until, you know, my father in the, in the 80s one day started growing a braid. One day he just was, got back to who he was as a human being. And it, it, but he spent his whole life just trying to be an American and trying to fit in. And one day he was just like, you know what, this is who I am. And when he died at 80 years old, he had a braid going all the way down his back, and that's who he was. And yeah. he started wearing his, I'm a veteran of the Korean War, but he'd have a Native American veteran's hat. And he's, you know, he, he found freedom in, in being able to be who he was. And Robbie Robertson talks about that. Yeah. His mother would say to him, be proud of who you are, but be careful who you tell. So what it was was these people were Native Americans, and we didn't know about them. We just didn't know they were Natives because nobody was talking about yeah. them. Um, while I have you, I, and I know it, it's kind of, sometimes can be difficult. To, when, over, this kind of question can be kind of a tricky one. But are there uh, musicians, Native American musicians, or bands, or things that you want to bring up, talk about? Uh, is there is there a kind of a, a musical renaissance, or what's going on in in this in in the world of music for uh, 
for Native Americans? Anything you can? Build? You know, I don't know because I'm a Native American and I'm in the world of music. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I had a gold album in Japan just you know three months ago, and I mean, I don't think about the world as like you know, I I play rock and roll. Yeah. And I play, you know, and and I don't. I, I think there's amazing powwow musicians. There's a there's amazing Native American guitar players I know. There's yeah. amazing. You know, but at the end of the day, you got to write great songs. Exactly. Great songs. Yeah. Not good songs. Great songs. Robbie Robertson wrote great songs. Buffy Marie, Buffy St. Marie writes great songs. You know, and if, if you do the work and you work hard, um, you can be successful. The problem with it is now is the music business is almost non-existent. Um, it's, you know, the, the greed and everything destroyed it. You know, it, upon, it imploded upon itself. Yeah. Um, and so now everyone's music for free on the Internet, which I think sucks because there's just too much music uh and and not enough filters to make people you know there's a lot of songs that this could be a great song if this guy didn't sing out of tune or this could be a great song with that you know blah blah in the wrong key for that singer or whatever you know and i, I learned a lot because i've worked with the greatest in the world i'm not trying to brag but I, when you work when you sit on a stage with rod stewart singing in your ear or terrence trent darby singing in your ear or mick jagger rehearsing with you eight hours a day talking about every detail or or uh, someone like Justin Timberlake, who is incredibly talented. Yeah. Or even when I worked at American Idol for four seasons with, with Daughtry and, and, and uh, Chris Allen and Adam Lambert. And, you know, these guys, they work hard to be great. And you can be great if you're from anywhere. If you're poor, yeah. Yeah. if you're rich, if, you, if your parents broke up when you were two, or if your parents are still together. I mean, it just takes real focus and, and the hardest thing is, is there's not a lot of inspiration and I hope this movie can inspire okay. not just Native American musicians but all people that greatness can happen you know you can do it it can be done well what are you working on right now what have you got going you know I produce uh, a new TV show called Dreamcatcher Bios in Canada I've been producing television up there now for quite a few years and I got the movie out Rumble so I'm traveling around the world yeah. speaking on behalf of Rumble and I have an album out called Inaba Solace with a superstar named Koshi Inaba from Japan who sold 100 million records there. And him and I did a project with Stuart Zender from Jamiroquai on bass, Amp Fiddler from Funkadelic on keyboards, and uh, Matt Sherrod, who plays with Beck in Crowded House on drums. Wow. We uh, did a bunch of dates in uh, Japan in, in January, February, all sold out. And then we're going over in August, and we're doing uh, all stadium, uh, August stadium dates and uh, festivals in China, Shanghai, and, uh, and then it's Rumble, all about Rumble. It's all about Rumble. It should be. It is, again, once again, the film is Rumble, the Indians who rocked the world, and uh, see this film, uh, and, uh, wow, well, keep keep killing it. <laughs> That's yeah, the right I'll try way. my best. And it's been a real, true pleasure to talk to you about this and your and your all the different stuff that you're working on but it's just see this movie i can't imagine people not walking out of the theater feeling feeling like dancing and feeling like they've just i mean it's just such a it's a joyous film to 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 see and so uh so please check it out yeah, you've got to come say hello to me on August 29th 29th in Santa Monica. Okay, yeah. are you at the Monica tw- are you at the Monica Center probably film Lemley. Yeah, whatever the theater yeah, is, yeah. I can't keep track. Yeah. On Third Street, I've been, right. in, I've been in different theaters every week for the last six months. All right, well, well, I'll be there though. In, in LA is where, my, where I live, so I'm sure a bunch of my rock star friends will be there, and I, it should be a good time. Oh, I'm sure that sounds like a blast. Okay, well, Steve Salas, thank you so much. Executive producer, driving force creator, guitarist, 
extraordinaire. Uh, thank you so much for being on Film School. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.